Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. How many of you appreciate our worship team this morning? Come on. Man, they do such a great job. It's, it's a, we, we are a blessed church, aren't we? You know, something that I didn't mention that I wanted to, you're the best, Pastor Javi. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, something that I wanted to mention, too, uh, I was talking about Pastor Travis and Tina. I want to remind you how good you have it this morning. Um, normally, you get to hear an amazing message by Pastor T, and I'm excited about today's message, but how about last week? Come on now. Wasn't last week's message just amazing? Really appreciate Pastor Travis pouring out from his heart. And uh, I want to remind you how good you have it because, see, a lot of pastors, the truth is a lot of pastors will never let anybody else preach because they're afraid of what they're going to say, okay? So if I can, there's one thing I can tell you about Pastor Travis and Tina, they're not governed by fear. Amen? We have it really good in this house. So I just want to honor our pastors this morning because they deserve that. Um, I really believe that as we honor our pastors and our spiritual leadership, that God blesses our lives through that. You sow, you sow the seeds for yourself and how people treat you by how you honor your leadership. And so I want to honor our pastors today. Is that all right? Amen? So I'm excited about today's message and about what, where we've been going. We've been in a series, right? We've been in a series called what? Geared up. That's right. For the past several weeks, we've been talking about being geared up. And last week, of course, Pastor T, he kind of stole my thunder just a little bit because last week he gave a powerful message and a challenge about fasting. And at the end of his message, he said, now we're not going to follow up with you. We're not going to ask you how your fast is going. We're not going to babysit you on how that's doing. And man, I was really looking forward to getting up here and how's your fast going? And watching so many people's, oh, I forgot all about that, you know. But we're not going to do that. We're not going to ask you how it's going. And if you haven't started your fast, it is not too late. Get started. Check out last week's message. Pastor T gave some incredible information that is really valuable and can help you uh, on, on uh, getting started with that. So we've been in this series called Geared Up, right? How many of you remember that a few weeks ago, Pastor T said something really powerful. He said, you can have the best M16 at your side. But if you don't know how to use that rifle, it's more of a liability to you than an asset. Do you remember him saying that? Amen? And that's absolutely true. And I want to share my message with you this morning as a tie into our Geared Up series. I want to share something else with you that you're going to need. Is that okay? So here's, here's the deal. You can have the best weapon at your side. And you can be wearing the best armor as you go into battle. But if you don't have a battle plan, you're going to lose the battle. You can have the best weapons, the best armor, but if you don't have a battle plan, you're going to lose, okay? So what, I'm gonna, what we're going to tie in today's uh, series with my message is we're going to talk about geared up strategy this morning. Are you ready for that? Is that all right? Okay, so as we get started with today's message, I've got a video that I've asked for them to get ready for us. Let's check that out right now. Oh, Joey. <laughs> this morning, you're seeing exactly what I wanted you to see. This morning, we're, what we're doing is, this is a freeze frame of Joey, okay? So now we can give the title, if you don't mind. We're talking this morning about freeze frame, okay? We're talking about freeze frame moments in our life. Moments that could go one way 
or it could go a very different way, right? That's what we're talking about in today's message. So um, can we put Joey back up on the screen? So here's the deal about Joey. (sighs) Joey. Here he is in all of his glory, right? If you don't know who Joey is, this is pretty much it, okay? He's, He's in an awkward spot, okay? He's in hot water right now. Uh, he's in trouble, right? He apparently accidentally proposed to Rachel. Whoops. And, and uh, of course, there's more to the story that we don't know yet. But in this moment, Joey's not looking too good, right? He's kind of awkward. He doesn't know what this means, right? He's in, a, he's in a tough spot. And so what we're doing to th- this morning is we're talking about those freeze frame moments in, in our lives. You know, the truth is... Uh, this is just kind of who Joey is. I mean, really, Joey's kind of always been this way. Like, what you see right now, that's kind of what you get with Joey. You, you really can't expect much more out of Joey. Okay? The truth is that what you see right here, this is pretty much who Joey is. That's kind of all you can expect out of Joey. So here's the deal. Uh, as I was getting ready for my message, there was a scripture that jumped out at me. You know those passages when you're reading the Bible and, they, and they're just, they're great, they're a part of the story, but all of a sudden it jumps out at you like you've never seen it before. Well, that happened for me as I was getting ready for today's message, and I want to share that scripture with you. This comes from uh, the Gospel of John, John chapter 1. Uh, if you're familiar with those beginning lines of chapter 1, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, right? Without Him nothing was made that has been made. You might be familiar with the beginning of the Gospel of John. So as I was just getting ready, this Scripture in verse 14 really popped out at me, and I wanted to share it with you because it's going to apply to our message today. So let's put that up on the screen if we could. John 1, 14, it says... And the Word, talking about Jesus, the Word, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Yeah, let's say it like we're participating in church this morning, full of? That's right, full of grace and truth. So I realized as I was getting ready for this message, see John for the past 14 verses, he's been setting us up to understand who Jesus is compared to who we are, okay? He's setting Jesus up. He's the only begotten of the Father. By him all things were made, right? So Jesus is distinct, and he's separate, and he's different, one of a kind compared to all of us. And I realize that John is just kind of slipping something in, tucking something in here for us to see about Jesus. He was full of grace and truth because here's the reality of the situation. As soon as I say this, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Without God and without Jesus, we are either truth people or grace people. Okay? Without Jesus in our lives, we can have that slide too. Without Jesus in our lives, we are either truth people or grace people. And just so that I know I'm not uh, missing the mark here this morning, how many people are truth people in the house? Raise your hand. Okay, now here's what I want to explain to you right now. If you didn't raise your hand immediately, that means you're not a truth person. Okay? Now, why do I say that? It's for this simple reason. Truth people have a really easy time doing what? Telling the truth. That's right. Okay? So it was the truth people who were like, yeah, that's me. I have a really easy time telling the truth. Okay? Now, here's the problem, the struggle with being a truth person. Well, let me give you the good side first, right? Being a truth person has some incredible strengths. 
okay? You have an easy time telling it like it is, okay? You have a really easy time uh, uh, if somebody asks for what you think, you're going to tell them and you're not going to try to sugarcoat it with them, right? You're going to be very upfront with them. And that's a really great strength, but it can also be a really great weakness, okay? Because truth people don't have very much grace without Jesus, okay? By their own nature, by how they are just made, truth people really don't have much uh, grace going into the picture. See, it's the truth people who have a really easy time saying, yeah, you blew it, you know? Yeah, you really messed up. And they say that about themselves too. Most of the time, they're a little softer on themselves. But, you know, most of the time, truth people will say, yeah, I, I, I blew it, I messed up. And see, it's the truth people, like somebody comes to a truth person, okay? And this, they put their heart in the hand of the truth person, okay? And they're sitting there and they tell them, boy, I just, I really, I blew it. Man, I messed up so bad. And I can't believe and see the truth person, they turn into a drill sergeant. Where is your honor, dirtbag? You're an absolute disgrace. You don't, you know? You know? That's how truth people can be. Am I wrong or am I right? Yeah, yeah, that's how truth people can be if they're not careful. See, truth people, they have this tendency, they have this habit. They can be a real bull in a china shop, right? They have no idea the damage that they're creating in people's lives by their harsh words, okay? Man, they're crashing into stuff. They're breaking stuff. And they are completely oblivious that this is how they are as a truth person, okay? So one of the big drawbacks of being a truth person, something you need to watch out for, is that you're not very, you're not very graceful with how you approach people, with how you approach situations. Truth people are the kind of people who wake up one day and they realize that they're, they've got a friendship that's kind of grown cold, you know, and, and they're like, they scratch their head and they say, man, I don't know why we're not really friends anymore. I was always honest with them. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Maybe you were a little too blunt, <laughs> okay? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. That was good. <laughs> and see, um, so, and, and here's the problem. Because truth people don't have a lot of grace, naturally, okay? This is all, everything I'm saying is like without Jesus. Because truth people can have a lack of grace, they can also have a hard time letting stuff go. Truth people can have a hard time forgiving, right? It's the truth people who want to hold on to something that somebody's done, okay? Listen, I don't care what they say now or how they act now. This is what happened, right? Truth people have a hard time letting things go. And the unfortunate reality is if you have a hard time letting go of something in somebody else's life, you have a tendency to not let things go in your own life too. If you're a truth person, you can have a hard time forgiving yourself. See, and here's the big problem. This escalates really quickly for our truth people because here's, here's what God says. God says, listen, I've forgiven you. I've moved on. I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. This is who I say you are. And we're over here saying, no, God, this is who I am. This is my freeze frame moment. I blew it right here. I messed up right here. I can't get past this, God. This is who I am. And God's saying, no, this is who you are. I'm calling you forward. I'm calling you out of that. I want you to be who I want you to be. And we're saying, no, God, I refuse. I have to be this person because this is how I've doomed myself. This is what I've done to myself. I'm not moving on. Truth people have a hard time moving on. They have a hard time getting out of their freeze frame moment. Okay? Um, and it's the truth, people, if we could, it, of course, what this does is God's identity of you and your identity of you, all of a sudden you've got a false identity. 
because you're no longer willing to adopt the identity that God has for you because you're hold on, holding on to this. Okay, am I making sense this morning? See, it's the truth people in the room. If we could look back at Joey, it's the truth people in the room. If we could look back at, thank you so much, who have a really easy time agreeing with me, yeah, Joey's not looking too good right now at all, right? It's the truth people who are, who are like, yeah, he, he's in pretty hot water. Well, what if we could be more like Jesus? What if we could be full of grace and truth? Amen. Amen. Now let's talk about our grace people for a second. I don't remember what's next. What's next? Yeah, full of grace and truth. Um, uh, so let's talk about our grace people for one second. If you're a grace person in the house, raise your hand. Okay, now let me explain what just happened. For, yeah, <laughs> exactly, we'll get in there. Did you hear that? She said, uh, can I be both? <laughs> so here's what happened. Uh, if you didn't raise your hand immediately because you're a grace person, there's a good reason for that. It's because grace people have a hard time doing what? Telling the truth. That's right. Grace people have a harder time telling the truth. So, and it's the grace people um, who, when we're looking, can we go back to Joey now? Uh, Joey, it's the grace people who are squirming in their seat when I was talking bad about Joey. Boy, Joey's sure in a bad spot right now. Joey's really awkward right now. It's the grace people in the room who are squirming in their seat saying, man, can we just lighten up on Joey? Can we just give Joey a chance here? He probably hasn't always been that way, right? It's the grace people who have a lot longer leash in their life for people in their life, okay? And that's one of your biggest strengths, grace people, is you have a really easy time having a long leash for people in your life. Unlike those truth people, they got a hot temper and a short fuse, okay? But the grace people, you got a long leash, all right? You're, you're pretty forgiving. It's, it's, it's grace people who uh, have an easier time being friends and being friendly, right? Because you got that longer leash. Unfortunately, the drawback of that and what you can get in trouble with is that that leash can tangle you up. See, what happens with grace people is they're the people who ignore a problem. Grace people are the ones who just, you know what, it'll probably go away. It's probably a one-time deal. Even though it hurt my feelings, you know what, it, it's probably going to be fine. And they sweep stuff under the rug, and they keep doing that. Pretty soon, there's a big old lump under the rug, okay? It's grace people who do that. And, what, and the problem with that is, if you're not careful, doing that over and over again will start to grow like a cancer in your belly. And there's going to come a time when it becomes deadly, when it starts to cause damage. Okay? Grace people struggle with that. See, unlike um, the truth people who, um, unlike the truth people who cause you know, bruises in the relationships in their life and for people in their life, the grace people, man, they'll just ignore a problem until it becomes deadly and toxic. You're the people who wake up one day and realize, man, I don't have this friendship anymore. I wonder what happened. And it's because so much has been built up over time that you haven't addressed that you just don't, you, there's, the, there's a disconnect there. There's, there's, there's um, damage that's there now. And it's because you didn't address those problems when they, when they arose. See, it's the grace people. Another thing that grace people can have a struggle with is they look at Joey and they see and they say, what problem? See, grace people sometimes don't even want to acknowledge that a problem exists. Okay, okay you see where I'm going? See, here's the deal. And let me, I'm, I'm talking about something that I understand for a minute. If you cannot admit that there's a problem, you can't get help for the problem. Okay? Let me talk about mental health for a minute, mental illness. If you cannot admit that there's a problem, you can't get help for the problem. Okay? 
you have to be ready to admit that there's a problem. You have to go through that uncomfortable step of, of recognizing that there's an issue before you can even get help for the issue. Okay, and this escalates really quickly for you grace people because let's talk about sin for a second. Let's talk about sinful strongholds in your life. If you're not willing to recognize that you have sin in your life, that you have a stronghold in your life, then you cannot receive God's forgiveness for that. Okay? Th think about this. If you can't admit that you're a sinner and that you need to be saved from your sin, then you can't receive the forgiveness of Jesus. Because uh, it's, it, isn't it ironic that it's the grace people who kind of pass on God's grace for their sins because they refuse to admit that they even have sins. Okay, so this escalates really quickly. So who would you rather be? Would you rather be a truth person or a grace person? How about option number three? Let's be more like Jesus. Full of grace and truth, right? Exactly. Let's be more like Jesus. So here's the thing. There are lots of freeze frame moments in the Bible. Okay, lots of freeze frame moments in the Bible. Moments when things could go one way or a really different way. Okay? And the, the thing is, the Bible has put those in there. God has put those freeze frame moments in there for us to learn from them. Okay? That's what's really great about God's Word. Listen to the principle now. I'm sharing a principle with you. I'm going to tie the, uh, connect the dots as we go. But because we have God's revealed Word, we know how the story ends. And because we know how the story ends, we evaluate their life not based on their freeze frame moment, but on their whole life, okay? Because we have, because we know the end of the story, we don't judge people based on their freeze frame moment. Now, let's talk about you. Let's talk about me for a second. Does God know the end of your story? So does God judge your life based on a freeze frame moment? No, he does not. No, he doesn't. I think that would be a great time to just say thank you, Lord, and give them some praise a little bit. Come on. He does not judge our life based on those freeze frame moments. Thank the Lord for that. But we've got some great examples in the Bible um, that we're going to look at, some really big freeze frame moments. Something cool that I want to point out to you. Let's go back to Joey. I, I told our team, I'm going to go back to Joey a lot more than I thought I was. Um, did you know, I had to look this up, in a single episode of Friends, a single half an hour episode, there are over 55,000 frames. We're looking at one frame. 55,000, and that's only in a half an hour of television. Okay? Now think about your life. You, uh, you've got a lot of time, right? Anybody who's, who's listening here and listening online, you've got some time built up. We're not, God doesn't judge your life based on that freeze frame moment. Thank you, Lord. So let's look, at, let's look at some examples in the Bible. And guys, I know that this might be old hat for you, but, um, but this is an easy target for me. This is an easy one for us to all relate to. So I'm going to share about him. We're going to talk about David. Hooray for David. So let's put up David for a minute. David, he was, uh, he was the youngest in his family. Okay? He, was, uh, he uh, learned how to play musical instruments as a kid. Okay? He uh, shepherded throughout his growing up years. He defended his flock against lions and bears. He was brave, right? Um, uh, he became a, a court musician for King Saul, okay? He, uh, and then after that, he cut off Goliath's head. People don't remember that part of the story, so I like to bring it out. Man, he cut off the giant's head, and he won freedom for the Israelites. And then finally, 
uh, he, became, he became more and more famous, and the songs were sung in the street of him, right, about he killed his tens of thousands. And then after a series of events, David became the king. David became the king. And here's what happened. He set up the golden age of the nation of Israel. There was never a king uh, like David before or after David. Matter of fact, the Bible is clear about this. The only person who's ever going to uh, be a better king for Israel than David was when Jesus himself comes to the earth. That's how good of a king David was. Okay? Now, you might be thinking to yourself, I I didn't know they had such good photography and sculpting back then. I, I recognize David. David looks familiar to me. I'm just having fun with you. This is David Bowie. Okay, let's look at the real David. Maybe not the real David, but this is Michelangelo's David. Of course, Michelangelo didn't know what David looked like either, but uh, I'm just having a little fun here. But of course, now let's talk about David's big freeze frame moment. He's a great king, the best king they're ever going to have until Jesus, and he has a freeze frame moment. Maybe you already know where I'm going with this, but we're going there anyway. One day, David's on his roof. He should be out fighting in battle with his troops, and he's not. One day, David was on his roof. On his roof. There we go. Okay? And he looks out. He sees a woman taking a bath on her own roof. He lusts for her. He sends for her. He sleeps with her. He sends her home, pretends that nothing happened. It gets worse. He finds out she's pregnant. So he sends for her husband to come home from battle and to be at home with his wife so that he can pass this off. It doesn't work. His Uriah, the soldier who was brought back, her husband, was so valiant and so honorable before God that he refused to stay in his own bed while he knew that his comrades were dying on the battlefield. So he literally slept on the palace steps that night. So that didn't work. David had to do something. So he sent uh, Uriah back out to the battlefield with orders for the uh, generals to put Uriah in the front of the battlefield. And when the fighting starts, have everybody withdraw except for Uriah and have him killed. So essentially, David murdered this woman's husband because he was trying to cover up for himself. So David does it. He gets Uriah killed. He takes, your, uh, uh, he takes Bathsheba into his home as his own wife. And then he moves on and pretends that nothing happened. Freeze frame moment. What if that's how the story ended for David? It might read something like this. And the anointing of God was removed from David the king because he refused to repent of his sins and he lived the rest of his dismal days without God in his life. End of the story. Next page, please. Next book of the Bible. That's how it might have ended. If that's how it really ended, then we might, as, then we might have thrown David in, uh, lumped him in with all those other bad kings and, and evil kings in the Bible that aren't even mentioned by name. That's what might have happened. But we know the end of the story, right? So here's what happened. David repents, okay? He was confronted with his sin. He repented of it. And great news, God forgave him. And God walked, the rest of, uh, God walked with David for the rest of his life. Now, how about you? Even if you've messed up really, really, really badly, God will forgive you if you repent of your sins, and he will walk with you the rest of your days. Amen? Now, here's the thing we need to know about this. God was not caught by surprise with Bathsheba, okay? God knew this was coming, and we know this is true because there are prophecies. We're going to look at just one example. There are things that, were, uh, that God said to David, promises that were made to David long before Bathsheba. Okay, let's look at one right now, if we could, please. This is 1 Chronicles 17. 
chapter 17, verses 10 to 14. And it says, Furthermore, I declare that the Lord will build a house for you, a dynasty of kings. This is God speaking. For when you die and you join your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, one of your sons, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for me, and I will secure his throne forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. I will never take my favor from him as I took it from the one who ruled before you. I will confirm him as a king over my house and my kingdom for all time, and his throne will be secure forever. Now, here's the, what we need to know about that scripture. That was, t- that was said chapters before Bathsheba. Okay? See, um, it, and I'm missing something important. Oh, yeah, well, of course, who was it talking about? It wasn't talking about Solomon. Who was he talking about? Bob, who was he talking about? Yes, he was talking about Jesus. That's right. Because Jesus is the bloodline in the bloodline of David. So this prophecy is saying that Jesus is going to establish his throne and his kingdom forever, okay? And God gave that to, to David, gave that promise to David before Bathsheba, before he killed Uriah, okay? So here's the point. If David's sin would have disqualified him from the blessings of God, God would have never even given him those blessings. Do you hear where I'm going with this? If God's blessings were conditional upon those freeze frame moments, God's blessings would have never come. But no, God is showing us, listen, my plan for you is bigger than your freeze frame moments, Okay, let's talk about you for a minute. God's blessings for you are bigger than your freeze frame moments. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is huge. God is not fickle like, uh, like we might think of uh, otherwise. Okay, so we've talked about freeze, David's freeze frame. Who are some other freeze frame moments in the Bible that we can think of? Just somebody give me a name of somebody who you can think of who had a really, really bad freeze frame moment. Adam? Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, Absolutely. Peter, which time? <laughs> Who, which time are you thinking about? When he denied Jesus three times. That's exactly what I was thinking about. We're going to talk about Jonah in just a second, so uh, that one's for me. But Peter, man, Jesus, I'll die for you. You know, and, and Jesus is before the rooster crows three times with the morning, you're going to deny me three times. Freeze frame moment for Peter. Absolutely. One other? Who else? Who else can we think of who had a big freeze frame moment? Paul, thank you. Which time? The beginning. Yeah, right. Killing Christians. Yeah, absolutely. If the story would have ended there, who would we? Who would we? What would we think of Paul? Right. So let's talk about Jonah for a second. Jonah is another great example. You know the story, and I'm gonna. Um, yeah, I'm gonna move kind of just quickly along here, but you you know the story of Jonah pretty much. Okay, let's put up the picture. Um, Jonah was God's voice on the earth at that time. God comes to Jonah and God says, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach to them. I want you to tell them to repent because if they don't repent, their nation is going to be judged. And Jonah, the prophet of God, the voice of God on the earth, he looks God straight in the face and he says, no. Can you imagine that? It blows my mind. But here he is. He says, no, God, I don't want to give them a chance to repent. They have desecrated your name. They have ravaged my people, your people. I don't care about them. I hope they burn. I don't want them to have a chance to repent. And so Jonah does, like, he takes it a step further. There's one thing, it's one thing to, like, tell God no in your life. But it's another thing to walk in active disobedience to what you know God's telling you to do. And Jonah, that's exactly what he does. He gets on a boat, and he sails as far away from Nineveh as he possibly can think of, which is Tarshish. 
Okay, so you know the story. A big storm kicks up. A supernatural storm kicks up. Okay, the sailors throw Jonah overboard. As soon as he hits the water, the storm immediately subsides. And every sailor on that boat served Jehovah God from that point on. Even in Jonah's rebellion, he was getting people saved. Okay, or turning their hearts toward Jehovah. Okay, so Jonah hits the water. The storm stops. A big fish swallows Jonah. And Jonah begins to die. Now, what if the story ended right there? What if it read something like, and the prophet Jonah was swallowed by a great fish and died for his rebellion and disobedience to God? And not a word was heard of him after that. If that was where the story ended, we would probably lump Jonah in with all the other false prophets in the Bible who aren't even mentioned by name, right? But the story doesn't end there, does it? Jonah repents. He confesses his sins to God. He confesses his disobedience, and he repents. So... After being uh, uh, in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, Jonah is spit up on the shore. He goes and preaches to the Ninevites and their king, and the entire nation of Nineveh repents and is saved from God's judgment. Huge. He, his freeze-frame moment didn't define his future, right? So um, here's something cool, just cool about Jonah. Um, uh, it's been, uh, some scholars actually think that because he was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, that his skin and his clothes were like bleached, bleached like white, 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 okay? Now, it's tougher to get a lot whiter than me, okay? At nighttime, I walk around and glow, all right? But Jonah, can you imagine, especially for a Middle Eastern culture, they see somebody walking through the city gate, white as a ghost, declaring doom and woe. No wonder he got their attention. No wonder he got the attention of their king. But on top of that, I just think that's kind of cool, but on top of that, Jonah's life serves a much bigger purpose because um, uh, uh, Jonah sets up what's going to happen to Jesus on the cross and after he died. And we don't have to even guess about that because Jesus himself authenticates that that's what happened with that. This is uh, Jesus talking from Matthew 12, 40. Jesus says, For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Now that'll mess up your Good Friday timeline a little bit. So, but the point is that God's going to, you're thinking about that now. Um, God used Jonah's life in amazing ways, okay? Far beyond that freeze frame moment. And the same is true for you and for me. Isn't that good news? See, here's the deal. God sees you the same way. Stop living frozen in time. Stop living in that freeze-frame moment. Stop, oh, here's a good one, folks. Stop disqualifying yourself from being who God has called you to be because of your freeze-frame moment. Amen? Huge. So, see, here's the thing. Whether we're talking about David or Jonah or me or you or even Joey, can we put Joey back up? Your life is not defined by your freeze-frame. Amen? See, um, your freeze frame, that doesn't define your future. It doesn't. So don't let yourself get stuck there, okay? So now let's bring it home. You ready for this one? Who have you freeze framed? Ooh. Who in your life can you think of who, because of something they said or did to you or someone who you love, you decided, you know what, if that's how it's going to be, I'm done. If that's how they're going to be, I'm out of here. And you've decided that that's who they are, and you're not going to have any part of it, and you've freeze-framed that person. 
Who in your life can you think of who you've done that to? See, here's what you need to understand. They've moved on. Okay, they've moved on with their life. And you're working so hard, you've got so much effort into keeping them in this freeze frame moment. I refuse to let them move on from this moment. They don't deserve forgiveness. What was that, Jonah? They don't deserve to be forgiven. Do you know what they did? They don't deserve it. See, here's the, here's the reality of the situation. If your life is not defined by your freeze frame moment, neither is theirs. You've got to let that go. You've got to operate with grace and truth in your life. And here's where we, here's where we get all discombobulated, right? Um, we, we say, uh, I, don't, I, can't, I can't forgive because forgiveness, you might think that forgiveness means something that it actually doesn't mean. Forgiveness does not mean forgetting what happened. Can I just make that really, really clear right now? Forgiveness does not mean forgetting what happened. We're talking about being full of grace and truth. The biggest, the fullest kind of grace you can have is the grace that you exercise knowing exactly what happened. You know exactly what took place. And you give grace anyway. See, here's, here's what happens. God knew exactly what you've done in your life. God knew about every sin you were going to commit before you were born. And he forgave you anyways. So maybe you're the truth person this morning who has a hard time acknowledging that. You have a hard time recognizing that you've already been forgiven. All you need to do is accept it. Right? Or maybe in your truth moment, uh, uh, you as a truth person, maybe you have a hard time forgiving yourself. Yeah, maybe God has forgiven me for that, but I can't. I know what I've done, the people who I've hurt. Maybe that's you today. Right? Or maybe, whether you're a grace person or a truth person, maybe you really struggle with doing that third step, which is, I need to forgive this person. I've been forgiven by God. I choose to forgive myself. And the third step is I choose to forgive that person. You know? Um, Again, if your life is not defined by your freeze frame moment, their life isn't defined by their freeze frame moment either. And you've got to shatter that freeze frame moment. You've got to let that go. You've got to forgive. What if we could be more like Jesus? Full. Full of grace and truth right? So uh, I don't know about you, but this is the longest five-minute conversation that I've ever sat through with Joey and Ross, okay? How many of you want to know how Joey's and and Ross's story ends? You want to see what's going to happen? Let's check it out. We're talking about being geared up today. You feel like you've been geared up? You feel like you've gotten something out of today's message? Amen? Come on, we're going to pray and we're going to worship the Lord a little bit. The Lord does this a lot. You guys have no idea how often we didn't coordinate with the songs that we chose for worship this morning and my message, but God is at work. God's doing something because these songs and my message go hand in hand. So I really, I, this is your moment to engage in worship, okay? Let's engage with worship right now. Let's spend some time with the Lord. Lord God, we just thank you for today's message. I thank you so much that our life is not defined by our freeze frame moments. God, that you have forgiven us over and over and over again. And Lord, whether we're the person who needs to accept your forgiveness today, or whether we're the person who needs to forgive ourselves today, or whether we are the person who needs to forgive someone else today, God, we choose to do that right now. We just operate in that right now. We make that choice today. Can we stand as we worship the Lord together? That's it for today's teaching. 
Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.